What's going on, everybody? This is JVP, and you're listening to a new episode of the Postgame Report. So, E3 is canceled for this year. Will E3 ever return? That's the big question. A lot of people have been asking that. I've never been to E3. That is one of the things in the gaming industry I was never able to do. I've had opportunities, but things came up where I couldn't make it. Uh, There were several times where I had media passes and everything. I just couldn't make it. So the thing about E3, it felt like when, when an E3 was approaching, it felt like a holiday. A lot of people that I podcast with or that I interacted with on the internet that we all loved video games and even people in real life. A lot of us were excited about E3 because it was a chance to see brand new games. And then you have the press conferences. You had Microsoft trying to outdo PlayStation, PlayStation trying to outdo Microsoft. And then you had Nintendo for a little bit until they started doing their own thing. And not only was it, the big console makers, but you had the big publishers doing their showcases as well. And every year it was something that you would look forward to when E3 was coming. You knew that it was a certain time of year. It was always in June. And for me, I used to schedule my vacation around E3. I used to schedule, I used to, cause in my old job as an elevated technician, once a month, we had to work the weekends. So I made sure that E3 didn't come around when it was my turn to work a weekend. I would take a vacation day or two. Usually I would take Friday, that Friday leading into E3. I would have the weekend off because you sometimes Microsoft used to hold their press press conference on a Sunday, and a few other publishers as well used to do the same thing. And then Monday was PlayStation's turn, and for a while, PlayStation used to have a viewing in certain parts of the country. So in New York City, it was always in Union Square, Fourteenth Street, and so I. A few, quite a few times I've, I've went in person, sat in this big-ass movie theater with a whole bunch of strangers, and we all were there for the same thing, to see what PlayStation was ready to do. And we would all leave there extremely happy and excited for the year to come. Unfortunately, unfortunately because of change, E3 is in danger of never coming back. Obviously, it started out with COVID where, you know, the entire world was in lockdown. And then publishers, even before COVID, started to delve into hosting their own events, previewing previewing their own games in a much controlled area, more controlled environment, excuse me. And what COVID changed was the fact that uh, for example 
PlayStation no longer needed to go to E3 in order to showcase their up- upcoming titles. So now you see what Nintendo has done. They, they're, they're the first one who had their own uh, annual press event showing whatever they were going to show. And now PlayStation is doing it. Nintendo, I mean, excuse me, Microsoft is uh, is on the cusp of doing the same thing. They've had their own shows throughout the year. You know, you have a lot of small, like, for example, with PlayStation, you have a lot of small 30-minute uh, segments on YouTube where it's nothing but either third-party titles or indie titles. They'll let you know ahead of time. Same thing with Microsoft. They were showcasing some of their Xbox series games and so they only showcased what is coming out for the xbox series and that was i believe the last no i believe nintendo was the last console maker to hold a show so whether it's a state of play or an xbox whatever they call it i believe nintendo calls their press event treehouse or something along that line Nothing is going to beat that freaking E3 experience, that anticipation. Nothing is going to beat that. The closest, the closest that we can get to an E3 is if Sony announces a huge state of play where they are showcasing all of their upcoming titles, something along that that line because they haven't done a real big heavy duty state of play. So that would be the closest. And even that I don't think would truly match that anticipation specifically when it's Friday and you realize, holy crap, Sunday, Microsoft's going to hold their press event. Or we're going to see something from Epic or Bethesda, right? So you knew that Microsoft and a few other publishers were going to start things off on a Sunday. And then you had to wait till Monday evening for PlayStation to showcase their games to see what Sony was going to answer with. And the, the, the spectacles, you know, that came with these press conferences, you know, Microsoft had, you know, Microsoft and PlayStation had their fair share of corny as presenters. You had the whole Kinect thing where people were dancing, you know, looking goofy on the Xbox side. You had PlayStation with, you know, uh, Ridge Racer and stabbing the crab in, in the stomach for, you know, huge damage and so on and so on. But those crazy stories, those embarrassing moments are memorable they are something that people talk about nowadays and you can remember where the hell you were when you were watching that for example when when playstation revealed the playstation 3 i remember i was in a different room in my house so way back then (laughs) my uh, i took over one of the rooms it was my it was my man cave slash guest room. And I remember sitting in front of the computer screen, watching PlayStation <laughs> do their press event. 
And I remember when Crazy Kudaragi went up there and announced the price. I remember laughing my ass off. I was cracking the hell up. I immediately started calling my friends. And we were like, can you believe this shit? And that became the topic of discussion for many, many freaking weeks. And that was only amongst my friends. Back then, I was podcasting. And that was another, you know, amongst the podcasters, that was a huge freaking piece of news because the Xbox was already out. The 360, that is. And it's... It's moments like that where, where you, you see these things unfold in front of you and you're like, oh my God, you know, like the world, the video game world has changed. <laughs> you know, you, for example, when they showed Killzone 2, right? Everybody knows that, that now famous uh, E3 where they showed this incredible looking render of Killzone 2 and how it's going to look, blah, blah, blah. And then we found out that that wasn't supposed to be shown, things like that. So I remember a friend of mine calling me, okay? And, and this friend, I met him through Xbox Live. And we used to play Rainbow Six 3 all the freaking time. That was our thing, right? In a, uh, every night, a bunch of us would get together over Xbox Live and play Rainbow Six Three. So he calls me up and he starts going, yo, I saw that Killzone 2 thing. I think I'm going to have to buy a PlayStation 3. And I'm telling him, dude, you're going to fall for that shit? That's nothing but a damn CGI uh, fake. You know, like that's not how the game is going to look. I was, you know, that hardcore Xbox guy <laughs> telling another dude, no, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be fooled by this Killzone 2 video. So he wanted to buy a PlayStation 3, but to sell it, he was reselling it. I don't know if he made a profit out of it because the damn thing was expensive. And then I remember there was one E3 where Xbox on the Xbox 360 they announced that um, a game was available as a demo right on the spot. And I can't remember the damn name, but it was a, a game where it was in a frozen in a frozen planet and you had like a freaking attachment in your arm that you can rappel up. And they came out with like three different versions of that game. But I remember this, this demo coming out and everybody was so freaking excited because the game looked pretty dope. And the demo was good. Uh, I wish I could remember the damn name of the game. But the premise of the game was that you were in this frozen planet. And you had these giant bugs coming at you. And, of course, it was a third-person shooter with climbing elements. You had this, uh, you know... A, th uh, a device attached to your wrist and you can rappel up on the side, you know, the side of a mountain, stuff like that. It's something planet. Uh, man, you know, I got a brain injury, so forgive me. So, 
I remember thinking specifically that this was the potential of Xbox Live. This was what was going to be the future of Xbox Live. I remember thinking it. I remember thinking, man, imagine if Xbox does this every freaking year where they say, you know what? We are releasing this game right now. You can download it. You could purchase it. So it didn't turn out quite like that. <laughs> but now, you know, obviously both PlayStation, well, all of them. You have Steam on the PC. You have Nintendo Store. You have an online store. Xbox has an on online store. PlayStation has an online store. So you, you can technically, on day one, buy everything. You know, as it launch, as the game launches, you could buy something. Whereas with Hi-Fi Rush, Xbox went and did a stealth drop. They said, hey, this game right now that you just saw uh, a video of is dropping right now. And that, that's the potential, obviously, of having, you know, internet on your video game consoles is the ability to do things like that. Now, financially, it's a different story and, and it's not financially... Uh, a financially stable practice. But I remember thinking that, man, this is the potential that Xbox Live has. And, uh, man, it wasn't Frozen Planet. <laughs> Damn, it was something Planet. And they made three different, you know, they made three games out of that franchise. So, there's it's nothing that's going to match E3. There's nothing that's going to match E3. And then, of course, you get to wait for, you know, I had a, a crap load of friends who went to E3 every year. So waiting for their feedback, waiting for their articles to come out on their respective websites or having them talk about it on their respective podcasts, uh, podcast, excuse me, there was an excitement about that too. Now, of course, a lot of times... I got the lowdown before they posted it in an article or an audio or, or video. Back then, there wasn't much video. So I had a, a, you know, a slight edge. I didn't use that edge for personal purposes. Like, I didn't go and take somebody's information and then go spreading, you know, spitting out these insider, not insider, but Let's say somebody went, they previewed a game that's under strict NDA. They're telling me about it. I didn't go out there for personal gain and leak all this stuff. People knew that, so people used to tell me all kinds of shit. And it was an excitement in that. It was an excitement of waiting for somebody you knew that was about to tell you something really cool. And I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. I mean, it, so many gaming events have gone away. There's still packs. You still have that. But I saw somebody live streaming from PAX East. That was a few weeks ago. And I can't believe that I even I didn't even realize that PAX was still a, a thing. Whereas I remember going to the first PAX East, and that was a huge freaking deal. The postcam report crew was there. A lot of podcasters that we we knew for years, but we never met in person. We, a bunch of us, 
met in person and, and bonded. Like it, 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 it strengthened our relationships, right? It made it legit. Once you meet somebody online, you're cool with them, blah, blah, blah. But when you meet somebody in person and you guys have dinner, hang out, there's a stronger bond, right? Because you get to really see the person and study them. You know, people can make up shit on the internet, make up a personality. When you see them in person, it's a whole different deal. So I remember seeing people at the first PAX East, and they recognized me right away. They recognized me because of my voice. They would hear, Potacular, they would hear me on the Post Game Report. They would hear me on Gamertag Radio. I was in a lot of fucking podcasts. And... I would be interviewed by Trixie for the Xbox Live, you know, community events. I was always in different websites as, you know, their guests for the community events. I was very hands-on with the community. So people recognized my voice and would come up to me and be like, yo, you're JVB? And I'm like, yes. And I would tell them, yo, my name is Jose. You know, I have to call me JVB. But till this day, there's people who call me JVB instead of Jose. So it was a special time. Like the community was thriving. I've stated this before. The community, we used to police ourselves. If you wanted to hang out at a PAX or go to an E3 and there was beef, a bunch of us would get together and we would make sure that the people involved were going to squash it immediately. We knew that we had an opportunity to showcase what our community was capable of. There was a bunch of Latinos, uh, Hispanics, I'll say Hispanics, because everybody wants to be politically correct. So by saying Hispanics... I'm including male and female. You had black people. We were the dominant uh, demographic of people who came up podcasting. There were a lot of us who were Hispanic, whether they were Dominican or Puerto Rican or Ecuadorian, whatever. And then you had a lot of black people who were podcasting, they came up, they were just as involved in the community as anyone else. And then you had the majority of white people who were working for these bigger websites and looking, not only working for bigger websites, right, in some capacity. Most of them were journalists, some of them were community managers, some of them were public relations people. Most community managers, they knew somebody, so they gave them a job. Things like that, right? When podcasting was a thing, when it was, when it was beginning to flourish, journalists used to laugh at us. And there's a freaking dog barking in the background. Journalists used to laugh at us because they were like, what is this thing these people are doing? Why do they think they could be here with us? I used to see them at events. They would look at us, and all these journalists used to hang out together because, God forbid, they hung out with us, us Puerto Rican and black people. So they would be in their little circles. They would look at us. They'd be, they'd, 
you know, they see us with our microphones, with our recording devices. They see us hustling, trying to get to these interviews, trying to give the best content as possible. And then they would come with their media passes, purposely come in front of us, get the interviews first, write them up before everybody else. That's how it was. And then years later, they were getting into podcasting because they realized that this was a new medium, a new way to communicate information with a wider audience. People didn't want to read, you know, people much rather listen to something. They can listen to a podcast in the background while they're driving. And so this new medium known as podcasting was taking off. Journalists were starting to come in. And then guess what? All of these, you know, all the people of color were now taking a back seat to the more popular ex-journalists and blah, blah, blah. And then celebrities got into it. But I'm talking about video games. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. And there's plenty of, I'm Puerto Rican, but there's plenty of Hispanics and blacks who were instrumental in creating this community. As much as people like to talk about Paris, Paris was right there with me. Granted, I was there before him, but he was very instrumental as well. And he's still involved with the community. So am I, to a point. Not a, you know, I, I gave up my community duties because I started to see a shift in how the community wasn't so... The community was dying because of social media. And I, I saw that years in advance. And I said, it's time to just step back and not be as heavy as I used to be, heavily involved into building a community known as I mean, the community we see now, unfortunately, is, is something that I'm responsible for helping to build. But I knew once forums, uh, well, I knew that once, uh, uh, specifically Twitter, I said it from the get-go, I said, you know what? Twitter is going to destroy our forums. And people called me crazy. I said, dude, I'm telling you, I say do to everybody, man and male and female. I was telling anyone who would listen, Twitter was going to fuck up our website. And it messed up a lot of people's websites. It's still, it's, it is still something that a lot of established websites, not just video games, media websites have to deal with. Because now you get your information immediately on Twitter. People rather post videos and post news first on Twitter. So people within the video game community were once again, once again, the video game community did something before the, the major outlets began to do it. And that was we began to promote our podcast on social media. I remember one gentleman came up, uh, t told me in a, video, in a video chat, he said, dude, Watch what I'm going to do with my podcast. Watch what I'm going to do on Twitter. His name was King something. I always forget it. I think his name, first name was David from New York. And he promoted his website. No, his podcast. He put a link. And I said, damn it. That's a good idea. <laughs> 
So a few of us started doing that. And then guess what? It became popular to promote your freaking podcast on Twitter. Because the information is immediate on Twitter. You don't have to wait for somebody to upload a podcast. Well, not only upload, but you have to edit the damn podcast. Make sure it's ready to be uploaded. And then when you up, you know, when you start the uploading process, you got to promote the damn thing. So on Twitter, it was a whole lot easier to say what you wanted to say, to post a clip of your audio or make a video clip saying what you got to say. And boom, people are going to see it immediately instead of having somebody editing a video or editing a podcast, promoting it, coming up with clever ways to, you know, write a description and promote the damn thing. And then you upload it. And by then, the information is already old news. So now we're seeing news outlets, celebrities, politicians, everybody's using Twitter in the same fashion. So now that I'm thinking about it, because, you know, I'm all over the place, but now that I'm thinking about it, you know, the video game community that I helped to flourish, right? We did a lot of freaking things that are now the common practice. And one of them is promoting your content on Twitter, leaving links. It, it, it's podcasting. Podcasting, you know, there were... It was a time in 2005 where podcasting was not recognizable. Like, people didn't know what the hell it meant. But a lot of people within the gaming community were trying it out. There were so many people who used to invite me to their podcast because they were like, look, you're one of the, you know, first to do this. Do you mind coming on my podcast to be my first guest? And I would do it. And then I would give them, you know, pointers on how to freaking host and how to interview and that all stems from my background in sales and stuff like that and just plain and simply being capable of speaking to people you know <laughs> and that was one of the things that I told them I said make believe you've known these people for a long time right don't really go and kiss ass because somebody is a developer or a voice actor on the post game report We've had voice actors, we've had developers, uh, public rela relations people. We've had a lot of pretty big celebrities, well, not celebrities, but important people within the gaming community or in the industry, period. Even with SFX 360, we met a, de a game developer for Mommy's Best Games. We met him at a diner. <laughs> him and his wife, amazing people. Amazing people, very friendly, very passionate about the games they were developing. And this gentleman worked for Naughty Dog, and then he went and created Mommy's Best Games. And you'll recognize his work on the Xbox platform. So I've been around a very long time. And I'm going to miss those moments that I just spoke about. The community aspect of going to E3 or viewing E3 from your home, in my case, from my home, <laughs> going to different PAX uh, events every year, going to different preview events, 
I mean, I went to plenty of preview events and hung out with, with friends of mine. I'm going to miss all that shit. Now I can't do it. Even if it was around, I wouldn't be able to do it because of my brain injury. I can't be around big crowds, a lot of noise. I just can't. Like, I, I would get a freaking panic attack and start body slamming people. I just can't. So even if it was around... And there have been some New York, recent New York events. I could have been invited to them. I, I unfortunately wouldn't have been able to go. But here's a funny story, right? Like, <laughs> it's a funny story. At least to me. Because it was kind of embarrassing. And <laughs> This is how I used to mess with people. So, one day a friend of mine calls me from Florida. He's like, yo, I'm going to New York. Are you free these days? these certain days I'm like yeah yeah you know I gotta work they're on weekdays but you know we can meet up in Manhattan so he's like cool cool I'm gonna go preview a, a wrestling game by the WWE and I forgot the publisher and I was like all right cool man uh, let me know where it's at and we can meet around there if you're still there after I get out of work so it was THQ so THQ was the publisher. So, <laughs> see, this is the thing I used to do with friends, right? Because I'm a very competitive motherfucker. What I did was I called a friend of mine and I said, who's running? And I might have spoken about this in a previous episode. I, I called somebody. I said, who's running the preview event for this wrestling game uh, on Monday in New York City? I got a I, I got a response, right? You know, the person that called gave me that information, gave me the person's email address. I was like, thanks a lot, man. I emailed the individual. They say, all right, last minute, but we'll get you in. Just show up. We I'll, I'll put you on the list. So I show up. I get my media badge. I walk into the fucking media area where they had all these seats set up and they had wrestlers like the big show uh ricky steamboat um you know that was the uh i said the big show already but uh i believe um ah mean gene was there mean gene oakland and uh the big irish wrestler i have a picture with him uh, seamus so anyway, there was a there were a few more. Anyway, so they have this huge seating arrangement for the media in this big stage where they're gonna show the game, and then the wrestlers gonna talk, come out, talk about the game, and then we're gonna all play it. I show up, I see my friend, he looks at me, and he's like, What the fuck? I sit next to him, he's like, I didn't know you were coming. I said, Neither did I until you told me about it. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, you had this cocky tone in your voice. So I wanted to remind you that you're not the only one who knows people, right? And he started, he's like looking at me like, you motherfucker. So cut through all the, you know, crap. Uh, it was like an hour of, you know, talking and blah, blah, It came time to preview the game. I'm playing the game. I see um, uh, he was the old announcer for the WWF and WWE. And I remember f fanboying over this dude because 
he was part of my like early teen years till like maybe 20 years old when I stopped watching wrestling and then got back into it. I believe it's Howard Finkel. And his voice is legendary, right? You know, every freaking old school wrestling match you hear is, I believe, Howard Finkel announcing the wrestlers and then announcing a new heavyweight champion, you know? So I'm fanboying over him. I remember I had a, uh, an MP3 recorder and he recorded, you know, you're listening to the Postgre Report, you know. I wish I could find that damn audio. And then uh, I see my boy hip-hop gamer now here's the funny part right (laughs) i'm eating like they had all these types of finger foods and everything like that (laughs) so i remember i was eating something that was kind of garlicky and it was like shrimp or something and he comes up and he's like yo what's up bro what's up so we're freaking giving each other high five not high five but five giving each other a hug and then he's like, you know, asking me, yo, what do you think about the game? And so I'm talking to him and I smell the the stuff on my breath. And I'm like thinking as I'm talking, like, damn, my breath shit is strong. So <laughs> as I was thinking that hip hop gamer does this and it's universal. Everyone does this when somebody has funky breath. We kind of do this cough like <laughs> And then we lower our freaking, you know, nose. (laughs) So (laughs) I saw him do that. Like, he tried to do it on the sneak. And he did it while I was talking. (laughs) So what I did on purpose was I started getting closer and talking even heavier, like emphasizing the H's and all (laughs) And then finally, uh, I backed away, and I was like, yo, I'll be back. I'm going to, you know, find something to get this damn funk funk away. And he gave me this smirk, like, oh, man, thank you, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how I am with people, you know. Like, I'll fuck with people. You know, I see something, and I'll fuck with them. And that that was, like, one of those memorable moments. Like, as, as a matter of fact, I remember in that event, I met Antoine Perlman, who is now, you know, a filmmaker. And I remember meeting him. He was just getting into, you know, writing about video games and stuff like that. And he was telling me his goals and stuff like that. And he's like, yo, I followed you and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, can you give me advice? And I was like, dude, just find what you love about this stuff. You know, if you love writing or talking or making videos, whatever it is, Focus on that first and then expand on everything else. But master what you love the most about this part, whether, you know, and he was writing and then he got into video stuff. So he's still doing it after all these fucking years. And he even has like, a you know, some movies that he was somehow involved in on Amazon, which is crazy. And I remember meeting the guys who used to own DualShock, DualShockers. They were coming up. They were brand fucking new, and I remember meeting them. So the last, like, gaming-centric event that I went to was when I met up 
with a guy named uh, Godfrey, and we met up in Manhattan. Now, this was this was a few months after my brain injury, and I remember he was like, "Yo, this you know this new thing is open opening up in New York, and they they do land games and blah blah." blah. Uh, my friend Red, inf- Red Infamy, she was there, so. I go and I meet him there and there's a bunch of people talking and it felt, you know, it was very similar to being at a freaking preview event or, uh, you know, a a tiny PAX event. And one kid was talking to me, telling telling me about his plans and I, that's when I first started to get like real bad, uh, and I'm blanking out here. Uh, I was getting, uh, damn, I'm blanking out. <laughs> I'm doing too much. But that's when I realized something was wrong. Because this dude was talking to me. And I couldn't focus on what he was saying. Then I started sweating. And then I started seeing the crowd. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck am I doing here? This dude is talking. And I, I don't hear anything he's saying. <laughs> So I had to tell Danny, yo, I'll see you later, man. I'm out. And I couldn't really sit there and tell him, yo, my mind is bugging out right now. I had to leave. I had to leave. And and, and events like that, I used to hang out the whole freaking time. Like my wife would have to tell me, yo, you got to come home. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the last time I got together with people to hang out. I remember going before that to a Comic-Con and I only stood for a little while. If it wasn't that I met a few friends there, I believe it was uh, Danny Pena and Tony Polanco. I met them there. And if it wasn't for that, I would have left. But I waited for them and, you know, we got, we, we, um, trying to, there's people in my house. Um, we were catching up and then I was like, guys, I'm out, you know? So yeah, that was the last freaking gaming centric gathering I was part of. And, and I no longer do it. <laughs> and it takes me time to do these podcasts because I mean, it's been a while since I did a podcast, since I did a post game report and you know, I've been busy. I've been busy. So I'm, you know, taking care of my health, taking care of, you know, coming up with a new lifestyle, the, to become healthier, trying to exercise my brain, self, you know, self-heal, because uh, it's been three years since I got injured, since a 15-pound object landed on my fucking head from three feet above, and that changed everything. But thankfully, I can still reminisce about the good old days, that, you know, the, the positives the great things this community was able to do together. And now when I look at and I see how profitable podcasting has become and how people have used specifically Twitter the way we used to use it back in the day, you know, we we, we, we came up with something. And it <laughs> we're, as a community, we're not going to be recognized as the first to start these things, but... It's nice to know internally. It's nice to know that I was part of something before it became the norm. 
And the fun part is when, you know, I go on social media and I talk shit on Twitter, make fun of Xbox or whatever. And then I have these people coming at me who assume that I don't know what I'm talking about. They look at my fucking Twitter followers. I believe it's like a little over 800 or whatever. And, you know, they think I'm some chump who doesn't know anything about video games, the industry, life, whatever. And I do that on purpose because people assume, people are quick to assume that they know you. (laughs) When in reality, they don't know shit about you. And you can just trigger people with a few words and it's the funniest fucking shit that I can think of. (laughs) It's hilarious. So the reality is I've been around. I've been around and I'm proud to say that I've been around in this industry and this whole social media movement. I've been been there from the get-go. Unfortunately, I don't get paid for it. Um, I had a great career as an elevated technician, so I had no reason to leave, you know, a career that I also loved. And that was fixing elevators and rescuing people from broken elevators and shit like that. So, yeah, but it's unfortunate, you know, unfortunate we don't have these gaming events anymore that we can visit. They were, there were plenty of fucking video game preview events there were, man, especially in New York, like you don't hear about them, but there were always opportunities in New York City where a publisher would say, hey, I'm going to be showing this game off in New York City. You want to go? And I, of course, I'd, I'd show up and my friends would be there. <laughs> some of them were out from out of town. Some of, some of them were from New York City. And then we'd make a, a freaking evening out of it. We would do the event. And then we would go out to eat and hang out. And it was a bonding experience. It was a beautiful thing. Nobody was trying to backstab nobody. Nobody was lying, making false accusations on videos or their podcasts or their social media feeds for likes and clicks. Nobody did that shit. Everybody was genuine. Everybody was covering video games. Because this is what they loved. Unfortunately, the love for covering video games, being in the media, being an influencer. And listen, the, the, I've been in freaking events. I've been invited to events and I've been to events, um, trying to make sense here, where it was specifically aimed at influencers. I remember the first one I went to was for an NBA, I believe it was NBA Live. It was by EA, and it was in New York City. And when I got there, they gave me this bag. It was strictly for influencers. You had to have, and I didn't know this. I just got invited like last second. And when I looked inside, it was a fucking laptop. I was like, yo, they're giving away laptops? I was like, yeah, man, that's what they do in these big freaking influencer parties. And there were barely anybody playing the fucking games. Everybody was just there conversating, 
eating hors d'oeuvres and having free drinks. It was the weirdest shit. So when it comes to influencing people, I guess I'm one of the first influencers as well when it comes to video games. I'm one of the originals. Because back then, we did it for the right reasons. Not, we didn't become influencers for self-gratification. And listen, if you're hustling and that's what you want to do, and you take advantage of it because it's very easy to do. Hey, good for you. If you can make a living out of it, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Which leads me to my last point. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Something Forge Gaming or whatever. A lot of people have been t- retweeting this guy on my feed on Twitter. He used to be known as No Rage some shit. Or Lano or something. Now, if you recognize those names, there's a history. I'm not going to get into that. I didn't know the guy, whatever. But it, he did have some kind of controversy surrounding uh, events and stuff and uh, bad behavior. But I started seeing this guy who looks like Colin Moriarty <laughs> and has this annoying fucking voice. He's been retweeted on my feed. And people are like, yo, this guy's dropping the truth. Oh, you got to listen to this guy. And I'm like, he's reiterating the same shit a lot of content creators have been saying since 2012. Why is this brand new? Why is this being hyped? Why is this guy all of a sudden the Ayatollah of video games, right? <laughs> and then I... I, I, I I realized he's not a person of color. So his opinion might be taken more serious than somebody with my skin tone or darker. And I truly believe that because I remember how race was an issue in video game media and video game events. So it's weird. Because I see guys like uh, the RDX podcast, the, you know, there's a few other ones. I can't remember their fucking names. But they all do the same shit. They all sound alike. They all write these elaborate clickbaity titles. They have these thumbnails. And it's all similar, right? Like Xbox is finally upgraded and blah, blah, blah. But then when you watch the video, they don't explain anything, right? They're just talking a bunch of bullshit for 10 minutes to get that revenue. Those guys are taken serious. But when somebody tells the truth, we're taken as, or, or we are labeled toxic or insignificant. <laughs> I think it's Cunt Eastwood or something. There's another guy. Um, there's a few. There's, there's quite a few. They all, they all hang out together. They all put similar thumbnails, similar clickbaity titles. They sound the same. The delivery is the same. They're using the same fucking Shure microphone, using the same kind of music. It, it's very comical, but it's something that I've noticed, and I'm not afraid to say it because it's the fucking truth. If you are a person of color, your opinion has less merit than a person with a lighter complexion. 
You know, I don't want to say black, white, Hispanic, blah, blah, blah. But it's the fucking truth. And video games is not a place to exclude racism or bigotry or favoritism. All of that shit still applies to the video game community, to the video game industry. You know, life is life, no matter where you're at. You could be at a, at a freaking book club and there's still going to be freaking those situations where somebody, a white person, will say, will say the same exact shit you just fucking said and everybody's going to applaud that white person. <laughs> same shit with this Forge guy, whatever the fuck his name is. I got nothing personal against him. I got something more against the people that are hyping this fucking guy up because he's stating the same shit about Xbox, about PlayStation that people have been saying for a long fucking time. So I, the only thing I can think of is the, is the skin, the, the color of his skin <laughs> being his opinions, which are reiterated are, are, have been said over and over again by plenty of fucking talented content creators. For some reason, his content is being taken serious and retweeted and applauded. And the only thing I could think of, because the guy's voice is fucking annoying, and he has no, no special graphics, and, you know, nothing special about what he's saying. But the color of his skin makes him seem more uh, important, I guess. His opinion matters more. <laughs> And I know some people don't want to hear this shit, but hey, fuck it. So yeah, I'm going to end with that because I, something that I noticed for a few weeks now, and then I was like, wait a minute. There's one thing that he, he's saying very similar things, but there's something that isn't similar. And that has to be the deciding factor as to why people are taking him more serious and applauding his thoughts, even though people like me and other great content creators have been saying for fucking 10 years strange but not that strange but anyway i'm gonna wrap it up i'm jvb you guys take care